you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey, hey, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I'm Oliver Banks, your host and your guide to the world of retail transformation. And thanks for tuning in. This one is episode 88. In this episode, we are continuing the conversation with Joe Jackman, founder of Jackman Reinvents and author of The Reinventionist Mindset. We know we're in a period of huge change right now, and it continues to accelerate all of the time, it seems. But our natural instinct as humans is to resist, to reject that change. But it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. And Joe, like me, is absolutely a passionate supporter for change and for reinvention and actually looking at change in a positive light as an opportunity for a brighter future rather than something that could be just hard work and pain. So last time on episode 87, Joe and I kicked off a conversation and we were exploring a ton all about the mindset of reinvention and what actually reinvention really means. And there were some great golden nuggets and we've had some fantastic feedback about that. So today I'm really excited to once again jump into the conversation. So if you've not listened to that first part, go and tune in now because I think you're going to absolutely love it. And if you did, then I'm glad you're back for part two. And I'd also like to congratulate Joe as well for just this last week being welcomed to the Canada Marketing's Hall of Legends. So many congratulations, Joe. Joe, as you remember from last time, has got this incredible background in reinvention, in transformation, having worked with and for some massive companies and brands. And it's just got so much value and expertise, so many golden nuggets to share with us, both here today and, of course, at Retail Transformation Live. Joe is going to be our closing keynote speaker, and he is going to be diving into the reinventionist mindset. So if you enjoy today's episode, then you absolutely must, must, must Join us for Retail Transformation Live. It's the virtual conference to help get you future fit. And it's happening on the 9th of July. So just a few days away from when this episode airs. So if you've not already saved your free spot, then go and do that. Retailtransformation.live is the website and you can sign up for free there. So retailtransformation.live. And it would be absolutely fantastic to catch you there. So let's not hang around anymore. Let's jump straight on into this one. If you want to check out the show notes from today, then you can over at obandco.uk slash 88. Right, here we go. Joe Jackman, exploring the reinventionist mindset, part two. So once again, I'm very delighted to welcome Joe Jackman onto the Retail Transformation Show. Joe is the author of The Reinventionist Mindset, and last time he dropped a load of golden nuggets. So if you've not checked out that episode, do go and listen in right now. Joe, how are things? 
Things are great. I really enjoyed our first conversation and looking forward to the second. Uh, and I appreciate you saying there's golden nuggets in there. Hopefully we'll mine a few in part two. I'm sure of it. <laughs> in the book, you introduce five elements of the reinventionist mindset. Just very briefly for everyone, they are one, seek insight everywhere. Two, embrace uncertainty. Three, create the future now. Four, obsess over the outcome. And five, make momentum together. Now, if people want to find out more about each of those, of course, they need to go out and buy the book. But Joe, to you, which is the most important mindset out of those five? Uh, the last one. And it got that position uh, simply because as last and, and most important, it is really the key. Businesses have been built to be functionally proficient and efficient in you know very very vertical ways mm. and i think the world needs them to be uh, horizontally efficient and proficient as much as vertically and let me explain what that means yeah if you've heard that expression you know many big corporations are very siloed uh, i work with a lot of big uh, companies and um, you know leadership teams would probably be the first to admit well we don't always have the best connectivity, either at in operating ways and certainly not in you know, sort of having everyone on the same page strategically. Mm. And there's reasons for that. You know, scale requires big pillars of operational competency to be stood up. And the new world of, say, digital and direct delivery has caused us to add rather than integrate many, many important things, like, for example, Ecom, like there are retailers today still that have entirely separate merchandising teams, all the way to pricing and on the buy side on their ecom platform than their main store business, mm. and uh, that that just is not a wise decision. And yet, I really respect the history of these businesses and why you know some of these decisions were made. But the horizontal is really profound in the sense that. To take advantage of scale is to make sure that all the pieces and parts add up to a bigger whole, that all the dots are connected in in every regard in how the value proposition is built and kept healthy and uh, sharp, how uh, the customer experience unfolds, mm. how the, the business you know, narrates itself amongst many stakeholders, including customers. And... All of those things are resting on a common understanding of who are we and what are we about? Yeah. What is it that that translates to in terms of our strategy choices? Which customers are we focused on and why? You know, who are we to them and how do we win, truly win with them as different from their other choices? And how as a brand do we come to life? Well, you know, legacy businesses have been built by you know, generations of leaders who have brought much value, you know, to their roles. But I would argue that most legacy businesses lack cohesion mm. across all of the things I just described. Yeah. And being big and sort of clumsy and slow is not a recipe for success. You know, scale has many advantages, but it, it, it only gets better when scale can be matched with clarity 
and precision and speed and nimbleness. Mm. And that isn't something that is like an anathema to scale. Like it's not like these are mutually exclusive ideas. There's many examples around the world of businesses that have the clout from scale and all those advantages and also a simple clarity around who are we? Why do we exist? Who are we for? Mm. And how do we bring that to life in a compelling way that beats all our competitors outright in our category? Absolutely. That's not a hard piece of work, actually. It's a very efficiently executed uh, piece of work if you do it in a particular way. So going back to your question, uh, what I laid out was a little bit of the method for how you go about doing that, getting to that kind of clarity and alignment. But in my view, more importantly, the mindset with which you do that. Mm. And that sort of leads me in a long-winded way to the answer, which is make momentum together is the most important of the five uh, principles, simply because it speaks to that alignment. It speaks to collaboration. Mm. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a student of human nature in business context and in, and in a transformational context. And what I've learned is, you know, big surprise, headline news, we humans like to support that which we help create. Yep. <laughs> it's not an earth-shattering piece of news. Well, it's not, you say it's not earth-shattering, but actually many of us would, you know, we'd probably know it deep down, but we wouldn't freely admit it that we're protecting our own ideas, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, there's there's the, the legend of the lone innovator, you know, the inventor that, you know, comes up with these brilliant things mm. and reveals them to the world and as a hero. Most often that's not true. I suppose rarely it is, but most often it's the result of people from various disciplines uh, figuring out collectively, collaboratively how to take a great idea and turn it into a great business and a value prop and so on. And certainly as you look at some of the big retail heroes, uh, as I call them, of the current age, you know, the people like Jeff Bezos, people like Jack Ma of Alibaba, they absolutely have that sort of aura of you know, there's no way one person has built either of those massive companies. They have pulled people mm -hmm. together to a destination, a purpose, a, a direction that they are leading, but it's being pulled together by, by lots of people building up that momentum. Yes. And, and I don't know either of those organizations culturally, mm. but what I would almost guarantee for them to be who they are and doing what they're doing is that there is absolute or near absolute alignment on what are we here to do? What are we for? What's our ultimate, not only proposition, but purpose? And how does that translate into all the things that we've aligned on being great at? And that kind of, you know, alignment equals power. If you think about an automobile engine, you know, the sequencing of things, the degree to which things are working in tandem is fundamental to generating power and that translating into traction. Mm. And, and the last part of it, the reason the, the fifth principle says create momentum together is the enabler is collaboration, working horizontally, not vertically in silos bringing people into the process of defining these big strategic questions and, and the answers and where they lead and getting people bought in. You know, there's nothing more powerful in a community of people that are bought into this place that they all intend to go and they're leaning in hard to get there. Um, you can overcome many, many uh, barriers. But 
What's the benefit? The enablement is collaboration, how you do it. The benefit is momentum. Yeah. And today, you know, momentum mattered back in the day when, you know, big retail was first established. The momentum of scaling and crushing competitors and, you know, all the things that sort of happened in that era. The, the space race. Yes, exactly. Well, I think of it as like it was a land grab. Yeah. You know, who can stake out their claim faster? And eventually they ran out, ran out of land to grab. And then they sort of became like for like trying to defend their turf. Mm. But then the era today where I don't need to be big, I don't need to have the biggest footprint or the biggest buying power or vertically integrated anything. I can just stand up a proposition that's right for the times and I can take it to scale fast. Like whoever heard of you know, Uber or Netflix or, you know, Casper, the mattress company, or, you know, on and on and on. Yeah. 10 years ago, some, in some cases, five years ago, mm. never heard of them. Suddenly, you know, Harry's and Dollar Shave Club have taken 20% of the market share of Gillette and Schick mm. globally. Like what? How, where did that come from? So, so the world's changing. Everything's compressing life cycles of business models, of brands, uh, of executive tenure. And as it compresses, what's the ergo? Well, the ergo is we need to be able to go faster, to adapt or quickly. What's a good, powerful force to have on your side when you need to move faster? Momentum. Mm. How do you generate momentum? You get people to align and see the same things and understand the strategies the same and embrace them to go uh, to that place quicker. And that's what happens. Mm. That's why... You know, the stories I write about in the book are, you know, mostly cases where that that alignment, that collaboration happened and everyone, you know, went as fast as their hair was on fire <laughs> to get to that place. And that was the difference. That was the winner, the winning factor uh, when many of the odds in those businesses were stacked against them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that attitude of let's go, let's do this quickly. Let's really, you know, continue the urgency across everything that we do is absolutely so energetic for everyone else within the company. And that then bleeds through to your store teams, your operational teams. And of course, that then is absolutely what your customers end up seeing. Mm -hmm. Let's think about the challenges of that, though, because if you are probably in a big legacy retailer Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you've been seeing some poor performance over recent years, and now you're really being squeezed, Joe. One of the big challenges of, of that is the fact that you do have silos in the business. You have different teams that have a political game going on. You have different objectives, which may be in direct conflict with each other. You've got KPIs, dashboards, reports, blah, 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 blah. Mm hmm where do you start on that? How do you unpick that and, and start saying, let's do this together? Well, here's where if you're in the middle of that organization, it, you know, admittedly, it's very, it's very difficult. But, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in culture that is similar to like living culture. And I think ideas and ways of thinking and doing, as I'm advocating for in the book, can infect cultures, not in the negative way, but in the positive way. Mm. To be somewhere in the middle of an organization is to start to seed 
ways of thinking and doing that are different. And one of the things I'll, I'll ask leadership teams as I start to engage with companies that maybe have, have um, run out of growth, hopefully they're still sort of at that maturity point and not having flipped over the backside and, you know, the plummetous <laughs> decline has begun. But in any event, I'll, I'll ask, you know, very simple questions. One of them is, really, if we're honest with ourselves, and we need to be, how is the status quo working out for us? Most businesses know that either they're in trouble, mm. uh, you know, the key metrics you're referencing, KPIs, what have you, are not what they once were. And I think an honest look, you know, many good books have been written about, you know, the ask the brutal questions and answer them honestly. I think Jim Collins talked about that yep. in one of his books. I think that kind of honesty and let's look at all the facts fearlessly is is really fundamental. But where do I start with a leadership team and and uh, if there's a, a lesson or something that could be taken away from it, I'll help leadership teams establish a case for change. That, you know, for these four or five bullet points, these reasons we really can't camp out for too much longer doing what we're doing and the way we're doing it. So let's accept that. Let's also, you know, write the case for confidence that these are the advantages we have, the assets it might be awareness. It might be, you know, physical assets, et cetera, hmm. the market position. And let's take those two things and no one's making big bets on anything. This is, this is an exercise. Let's now ask the, the most fundamental questions of strategy at the highest level of the house, again, and use insights uh, and data and our judgment and our own instincts and intuition and, and an incredible collective experience that always resides amongst leadership teams. Yes. Let's just ask and answer those questions again. Which customers are we focused on and why? What do they really care about? Not, not just functionally or transactionally, but what do they deeply care about? And in that work, who could we or are we already to them? And what might be the opportunities for us to reimagine ourselves as a, a better version, sometimes a more you know, robust, expanded version, sometimes just a, a, a net new, you know, today's version of what we used to do? Those questions, and there's a number of other ones, you know, uh, the competitive strategy construct. Okay, so if we know those customers and we know what they care about, we know who we are or could be to them in a more robust way, well, how are we going to win against our competitors? Like literally win. We'll beat out outright any competitor. Mm. And how will we, as a secondary point, meaningfully differentiate? Might not be able to win outright on that dimension, but but it's important and it could distinguish us. Mm. And And then ultimately you know, how do we live? What, what, what is our brand all about? And I don't just mean, how does our brand show up as image or communications and messaging? Yeah. I mean, as, you know, ethos, as culture, like we will behave in these ways on the basis of these values and ultimately the bedrock DNA of who we are and what makes us unique and special. I just outlined four or five questions yeah. that are, you know, very straightforward. <laughs> you just try and, answering them. They're not straightforward. They're massive. <laughs> well, they're massive, but and and therefore they get left. Like, oh no, 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 no. We do, we 
re-examine strategy. Look, we're we're in crisis here. We gotta we gotta double down on the on the uh, working harder on the way things are today, so that we can get through this. Yeah, what can we put on promotion? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe you know we'll earn the right to revisit strategy when we get through all this. No, in fact, it's the exact opposite. And in fact, the advice I give to leadership teams is: look, as difficult as it is, as maybe odd as it might sound, the moment to leave the victory party when things are going so well, maybe your stock price or your sales per square foot are at an all-time high or what have you, the moment to leave the victory party, put on the armor and go back to the battlefield is either at the victory party or ideally some uh, months or a year in advance. Because the only thing that follows a victory party is a funeral. I can't predict how you know much time is going to elapse between the party and the death march. But if you believe that the status quo is going to buy you your next act with some incremental improved version of it, I, I really do feel uh, you need to look around the world and ask and answer these fundamental questions. Mm. And what you'll find is it isn't scary. It's not uh, particularly difficult. It does take some courage. Uh, but one of the principles is you know embrace uncertainty. Because what can we be certain about mm. that every strategy fails? Let's let's accept that we need fundamentally to embrace uncertainty. Well, let's go learn what we can. Let's go make choices on the basis of new information. And fundamentally, let's do it together mm. as a full leadership team. And ultimately, with levels down as they're brought in. I, I don't even like the expression strategy cascade. Because it says what it, what's begun at the top is then told down through an organization. There's ways to do it, which I talk about in the book, where everyone ultimately in an organization feels like it's their strategy. Mm. The final piece for me in an early conversation with a leadership team I'm getting to know is, by my definition, you need to ask yourself, do you have a strategy? And the answer, yes, we do have to stra- have a, yes, we do have a strategy, must include that the organization, not just a few, but everyone, all the way down to the ground, knows what it is and what they need to do to bring it to life and what the outcome is that, that it's going to you know, ultimately deliver. And if that is not true in your culture, if that is not true from the top of the house to the field, you actually do not have a strategy. It's only true if it's understood and felt and bought into. Yeah. That's when a company has a strategy. And by that definition, most companies actually don't have a strategy. Yeah. Even if it's painted on the wall, right? Yeah. Yeah. Joe, this has been so good. You've dropped so many golden nuggets for the listeners today. Thank you so much. It's been a real treat speaking to you. How can people find out more, Joe? Well, uh, first, let me say, Oliver, it's my pleasure. You, you made it uh, very easy, and I can tell we're kindred uh, spirits and and have traveled similar paths. So, uh, <laughs> I really appreciate you inviting me onto the show. And, oh, it's great, uh, and for the conversation. JoeJackman.com is uh, the site that you can find me as an author and as a speaker. I've got a, a podcast series there. If uh, some of your listeners are interested. And then jackmanreinvents.com is, uh, is my company. I'm the CEO of, of a team of amazing and very talented and dedicated reinventionists that does the kind of work that you and I are engaged in, mm. mostly in North America. Um, but either of those uh, two websites um, 
And I, I look forward, actually, if there's questions from some of your listeners or whatever um, may come, I'm, I'm quite happy to, uh, to engage and uh, help, help people understand what's there in the book or just simply the things we've talked about. Well, that is fantastic. Thank you so much. And I'm sure people will have lots of questions. And, you know, we often like to get a bit of debate going on LinkedIn as well. So uh, wonderful. Yeah, I look forward to hearing what people thought of uh, this conversation. Well, uh, I am as well. And uh, I appreciate it. I hope we can stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Joe. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Oliver. Bye. Wasn't that just a fantastic episode with Joe Jackman there of Jackman Reinvents? I did hint that he was going to be dropping even more golden nuggets, didn't I? And boy, oh boy, did he deliver. So thank you to Joe Jackman there. And as I mentioned earlier on in the show, I'm really excited to be welcoming him to the virtual stage at Retail Transformation Live. So do go and pick up that free ticket if you've not already done so, retailtransformation.live. And if you've got any questions, then do reach out. You can find me on Twitter at Ollie underscore Banks, O-L-L-I-E underscore Banks, or on LinkedIn where I'm obviously Oliver Banks, or hey send me an email, oliver.banks at obandco.uk. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this one, as Joe is as well, as he mentioned. So do reach out on social media and looking forward to continuing the conversation over there. Have a fantastic week and I'll catch up with you very, very soon. Bye for now.